Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room as we look back at a sporting weekend. And what a sporting weekend it was. I'm not too sure actually where to even begin. So I think let's start with the events that most probably had the least amount of fixtures, and that was rugby. So there was only one game in the United Rugby Championship at the weekend, um, and that was a clash between the Bulls and the Lions. And like almost everything this weekend, bar one or two T20 cricket matches um, and one or two FA Cup matches, it was un unbelievably close um and victory in the end for the home team the bulls by 30 points to 28 now a win is a win but what i will say is um the lions had an opportunity to win it with a penalty kick in the dying seconds of the game but what i will say is give credit to the lions where credit is due because for the last couple of seasons and even beyond that um a game between the bulls and the lions has been a foregone conclusion pretty much before the game has even got underway i mean the bulls were going to win it going away by 10 15 20 points whether it was against the bulls against the sharks against the stormers but they are playing some unbelievably good rugby are the bulls at the moment they went away to loftus festival which for those people who don't live in South Africa or don't know the geographics of South Africa as well as you like, it's only about 45 kilometers between Ellis Park and Loftus Fasfeld. So it's kind of like you've even got people that live in Johannesburg who support the bulls that are Pretoria-based and vice versa. So um, it's it's well-supported in terms of the numbers, not necessarily inside the stadiums, unfortunately, but a lot of people um, support them, both these teams, and a tremendous performance by the Lions and, of course, by the Bulls themselves to come out victorious by two points, 30 points to 28. And there is a reverse fixture between these two sides coming up in a couple of weeks' time where the Lions will host the Bulls at Ellis Park. And I think after this result... And I'm hoping after this result, we are going to see a lot more people at Ellis Park, which has always been a bane of uh, my uh, existence, the lack of support at one of South Africa's most iconic stadiums, obviously the stadium where we won the World Cup for the very first time, the stadium where um, we've had some incredible results and massive crowds, full houses. Anyway, um, it was a dramatic and pulsating game and it means the Bulls move into fourth place on the URC log and put themselves into the top tier as the teams now take a two-week break at the start of the Six Nations, which we will preview and look ahead to when we do our preview show on Friday. That wasn't the only rugby at the weekend. It was obviously the only 15-man rugby. Um, but there obviously was some incredible action in the sevens. And uh, this competition just gets better and better as it goes along. Unfortunately, not so great for South Africa. They lost, uh, again, a close encounter, 14-12 to the Fijians. I don't know whether it's just me, but... It just seems the Fijians get bigger and bigger every time I watch them play. I mean, these poor, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, we have some big guys in South African rugby, but not anywhere as big 
in sevens rugby as in 15-man rugby. But these little guys in the blitz box, they tackle their hearts out against some of the fastest and biggest running sevens players I've ever seen in Fiji. Um, a good result for the Fijians to beat the South Africans. It didn't help them, though, to get through to the final of the competition. They lost did the Fijians to the Irish in the semi-final, um, and uh, it was Argentina and Australia who made it to the final. The uh, semi-finals saw the Australians beat the Fijians 22-7, the Argentinians beat the Irish 24-5, and then down to the final, and it was victory for Argentina, giving the home side Australia an absolute hiding. 31 points to five, they beat them. The playoff for third and fourth was won by the Irish, who beat the Fijians. The Fijians don't seem to have too much in their tank if they're not playing for the actual trophy them itself. Um, and you could see that. The USA, 27-12 over Spain in the uh, lower areas of the competition. And the South Africans, well, they beat the French to take home fifth place in the competition and stay fourth on the log of the sevens. Um, surprise result in the women's. The Irish women, 19, the Australians, 14. That's a surprise, surprise, surprise as far as that uh, is concerned. Um, but at the end of the day, of course, uh, the, uh, the, the French women, um, can I say, they outperformed themselves in this particular competition. So like I said, it was uh, very little going on the rugby front, but coming up as far as the rugby is concerned, as I mentioned, it's the Six Nations this weekend, so all other rugby activities cease to exist. What a way to start the Six Nations on Friday evening with the French against the Irish, two of the top teams at the Rugby World Cup, both, of course, uh, beaten by South Africa. Well, one beaten by South Africa, the other one beat South Africa, but at the right time, South Africa lost, if you like, to Ireland, and at the right time, South Africa beat the French. Two of the top three teams in the world open the Six Nations on Friday evening, and then on Saturday, Italy play England, and Wales play Scotland. But we'll preview that in more detail when we get to the weekend. Now, let us talk tennis, shall we? And it was the men's and ladies' finals of the Australian Open. Two contrasting finals with Arena Sabalenka, dominant in her victory. She blew away the Chinese lady Zheng Quinwen to successfully defend her title. The first woman to do so in over a decade. The number two seed in Belarusian proved too powerful for the 12th seed with a 6-3, 6-2 dropping just 76 minutes, her second Grand Slam crown on the Rod Laver Arena. And, you know, they had this wonderful thing after the Australian Open where they marched the players through the complex all the way to the interview areas and then to the fans and she really really gave the impression that she loved every second of her time in Australia and the victory it wasn't just another title under the belt she really looked like um, she had the most amazing time she cemented a reputation as one of the game's most consistent contenders at Grand Slams, reaching the semifinals at least in the past six majors, made three finals and won twice. She said it's been an in 
incredible couple of weeks. She couldn't imagine herself lifting the trophy one more time, and it's an unbelievable feeling. She said she felt speechless, but she did have quite a lot to say. Sabalenka also had words of encouragement for her opponent. She said she knows the feeling. It's tough to lose in a final, but she gave credit to an incredible player with such a young age, and there's going to be many more finals for her. In her vivid red, she overwhelmed Zeng with her crushing ground strokes deep into both corners and her consistently reliable serve. Tremendous performance by Arena Sabalenka. Now, in contrast to that, what a men's final it was. Yannick Sinner came from two sets to love down to win a classic encounter in the men's final. He was almost dead and buried. He capped off a fortnight of outstanding tennis with a comeback for the ages. Poor Daniel Medvedev. I don't know what this guy needs to do to get an Australian Open under his belt. 3-6-3-6-6-4-6-4-6-3 win and became the first Australian Open champion for a decade, not named Djokovic, Nadal or Federer. And it was the first men's final since 2005 to not feature a Djokovic, Nadal or Federer. The Italian had dominated the tournament en route to the final with a thumping victory over Djokovic in the semifinals, but he had to fight back from two sets down to clinch his first major title. The 22-year-old said he's trying to get better every day, and he was speaking of his team after becoming the youngest Melbourne Park champion since, you got it, Novak Djokovic in 2008. The third seed, Medvedev, came into the contest as the first man since Pete Sampras almost three decades ago to reach the final after multiple comebacks from two sets down, and he made a fast start and you would have thought that for somebody who'd come from behind so many times at two sets to love up, he would go through and win it. Medvedev's only previous loss in 51 Grand Slam matches on hard courts after winning the opening set came at Melbourne Park in 2022 in the title clash against Rafael Nadal. And the 27-year-old Russian nicknamed the Octopus soon got one tentacle on the trophy. But wasting four opportunities to break in the second game, which had five deuces and lasted nearly 12 minutes, Medvedev, who also lost the 2021 final to Djokovic, got his nose in front 3-1 on his way to wrapping up the second set as Sinner's hopes of responding failed with a setting sun. Sounds poetic, doesn't it? But fourth seed at Sinner grabbed break back and nearly got another late in the second set as Medvedev showed some signs of frailty after more than 20 hours on court before Sunday's final. But the Russian pulled himself back together and won the first two sets, but then unfortunately lost the next three. Heart break for the former US Open champion Medvedev who lost the 2022 Melbourne final to Nadal after being two sets up and has now lost five of his six major title clashes. The perennial runner-up, I guess you could say, in Daniel Medvedev. Do some golf news now, um, and it was a history for the Frenchman Matteo Pavon. Not only will he remember his first victory on the PGA Tour, but his country will too. 
He made history by firing a 300 past 69 to become the first golfer for France to win on the PGA Tour in the modern era with his victory at the Farmers Insurance Open in San Diego. Playing on the Torrey Pines South Course, he recovered from a bogey at the first par four to pick up five birdies after just a bogey for the rest of his round and an eight-foot birdie putt on the 18th, putting him 13 under par, allowing him to squeak past Denmark's Nikolai Holhart. Holhart landed in second with a 12 under 276 after shooting 270 on Saturday on the two-time U.S. Open course with a victory. Pavon becomes the first Frenchman since World War II to prevail in a PGA Tour event. The Tour's modern era began in 1968. It's a great performance by him. Wonderful, wonderful for a new player to lift the title on the U.S. PGA Tour. So what happened on the other tournaments uh, around the world? Well, the Russ Al-Khaimah Championship, Thorben Olsen, he completely dominated and ran away with it at 27 under par, leading and winning from Rasmus Hochart on 21 under par and Frederick Lecron on 20 under par. So good performance by him there. Best South African, Brandon Stone, finished at 17 under. Zander Lombard finished at 15 under. And Louis de Jager at 13 under. And Jaden Schapper at 12 under par. So I think all the guys were delighted that Rory McIlroy wasn't playing because he's had a tremendous run so far. And then locally, the Mediclinic Invitational, Ryan van Felsen, came through victorious there at 25 under par, shooting a final round 64. Go with his third round 64 and then a 66 in the opening round and a 69 in the uh, second round, an eight under par final round to give him victory with his 263 strokes. 21 under par, Neil Skittercat, and 18 under par, two rounds of nine under from Jason Roots and Willem Louis Boshoff catapulted them into joint third place along with Joven Rabula, Dylan Mostert, Jurov Premlal, JB Kruger was in eighth place. A majority of the uh, golfers were South African. The best international, DK Kim, finished at 14 under par. And now let's move on to what was arguably the most packed fixture list of the weekend and that was the football and it's the cup of nations and the fa cup both at the knockout stages of the tournament well the fa cup of course always is a knockout event the african cup of nations got to the round of 16 where it was knockout time and they're gone egypt they're out of the competition after a dramatic penalty shootout um, and it was not just a penalty shootout. It was a penalty to level matters for Mustafa Mohammed just before half time in the 46th minute. Meshak Elia had put the DR Congo ahead. And at the end of the day, it was a penalty shootout that gave the DRC the victory and a spot in the last eight, an eight seven penalty shootout win for them. In the other game, Equatorial Guinea were beaten by a goal to nil by Guinea. That was in Sunday's action. 
In Saturday's action, what drama in the action on Saturday? Nigeria beat Cameroon by two goals to nil. Great performance by the Super Eagles. A 36-minute goal from Edamole Lukman, and then a 90th-minute goal gave them a 2-0 victory over the Indomitable Lions. So uh, the Super Eagles through to the next round. But the earlier game, Namibia had never gotten this far in the tournament, and then they'd also never gotten to the last eight, obviously, and they'd also never beaten Angola. Well, they were in a fantastic position with the Angolan goalkeeper being sent off when the score was nil-nil for handling the ball outside the box and preventing Namibia from scoring. And then everything just went pear-shaped for the Namibians, and the Angolans then scored. Namibia had a player sent off, and Angola went on to win by three goals to nil. Quite dramatic, and lots of action in that one. So Angola through to the next round, 3-0 victors over Namibia, and Nigeria 2-0 victors over Cameroon, which means a couple of matches still left in the Cup of Nations, and those matches will take place tonight where the Cup Verde, the Cup Verde Islands, take on Mauritania. And then Senegal, the absolute favourites in the competition, take on the Ivory Coast, the host, who only made it through by being a third-place loser in the competition, getting through third place in their group, fired their coach, and now are coachless into tonight's game. And how amazing would that be if the host nation were to pull one over the Senegalese, who were the only team to make it through to the last 16 with a perfect record of three played, three wins. Then tomorrow evening, the last two matches in the round of 16, sees Mali play Burkina Faso at 7 o'clock and Morocco play South Africa tomorrow evening. South Africa already getting rid of the Tunisians and now they have another opportunity against the North Africans, this time against Morocco. Now, back to the footballing action, the oldest and most romantic by far footballing competition in the world, the FA Cup. And it once again brought some unbelievable results, some fairy tale results as well, some new fixtures that will come up in terms of the draw that was made last night. But let's go through those results for you, shall we? Started off on Friday evening, and they will have to do it all over again. Well, Chelsea and Aston Villa, they played out to a goalless draw in their FA Cup match on Friday evening, as will Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry City, as did Bristol City and Nottingham Forest. Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry played out to a one-all draw, Bristol City and Nottingham Forest, a goalless draw, and then a last gasp goal in the dying moments, breaking the hoodoo that Manchester City had at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, having not beaten Spurs at that stadium. Well, they did eventually in the dying seconds of that game, and they're into the back of the net, and they won by a goal to nil. On to Saturday, and lots of action there. Fulham uh, at Craven Cottage were beaten by Newcastle United 2-0. Not surprising. Uh, Everton also lost, but also Luton Town beating them in the dying seconds of that game to clinch victory. No such luck for Sheffield United, comprehensively beaten by Brighton and over Albion by five goals to two. Leicester City, previous Premier League champions, now top of the championship. They beat Birmingham 3-0. Leeds and Plymouth Argyle drew one all. And then the absolute shock 
and romantic shock of the weekend. Ipswich Town, beaten by what's actually the sixth division side, Maidstone United, one of these teams that has a butler of baker and a candlestick maker in their team. They were beaten 2-1. Maidstone United of the sixth tier have gone into the next round of the competition. The romance of the FA Cup continues. And then some horrible scenes in the derby between West Brom and Wolverhampton Wanderers. Due to the fact that these two sides are in different divisions, they haven't had a derby for many, many years, over a decade, and it turned out to be rather ugly indeed. West Brom losing at home 2-0 in the Black Country derby to Wolverhampton Wanderers, but uh, missiles thrown onto the field, spectators fighting with each other, policemen being knocked over and pushed to the ground, the game having to be suspended for a long time. Anyway, Wolverhampton Wanderers eventually came out 2-0 victors there. Uh, Watford and Southampton will have to do it all over again, a one-all draw. Liverpool beat Norwich by five goals to two and a tremendous, tremendous send-off, albeit he's still got the rest of the season to go for the shock announcement that Jurgen Klopp will be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season. They came through by five goals to two. What a struggle for Manchester United. I mean, seriously, They were up by two goals to nil. Looked like they were cruising against Newport County, 78 places below them in English football. Newport County came back to level matters at two or quite remarkably. They scored just before halftime and then leveled matters just after halftime. They scored two all then. And eventually, eventually, Manchester United, right at the death, got the winning goal, 3-2, and then scored another one in referee's optional time, of which there was quite a lot because of an incident in the crowd. Not a violent incident until the medical team had to go up and help somebody in the crowd. Eventually, Manchester United coming through and winning by four goals to two, and there's still one game left, and there could still be some romance tonight where Wrexham, the Hollywood side, traveled to Ewood Park to play Blackburn Rovers in the last game of the FA Cup fourth round. And the draw has already been made for the next round of the competition. So it's a couple of uh, if this result happens and then that result happens. So let's just go through what has to happen first. So we got to get through tonight's game, of course, and that is the game between... um, Blackburn Rovers and Wrexham, as I mentioned. That's tonight at half past nine. Then there are a whole load of replays. Southampton will play Watford. This is on the 6th of February. Uh, Southampton play Watford. Coventry play Sheffield Wednesday. And Plymouth Argyle play Leeds United to get through to the next round. While Nottingham Forest play Bristol on Wednesday, the 7th of February. And Aston Villa play Chelsea the same night. So once those games are completed, we'll get through to know who's going to play who. So Manchester United will play the winner of the Nottingham Forest-Bristol City game. Newcastle will be in action. They're still waiting for a team to play. Luton Town play Manchester City. Maidstone will also be waiting to see who they play. Bournemouth play Leicester. Wolves play Brighton. And Liverpool waiting to see who they will play in the next round as well. So the uh, FA Cup fixtures, uh, quite a few still need to be decided because of the matches that need to be played uh, with regards to um, 
the uh, results, as I say, uh, that are yet to be completed. Um, but uh, it's going to be a tremendous couple of weeks of uh, waiting and then into the matches in the FA Cup competition. So uh, we look forward to seeing all of that. We also look forward to some Premier League action later on this week, which will be coming up. Uh, we have uh, matches this week in the... They obviously have been a uh, winter break as well as FA Cup break in the Premier League. And those matches, uh, as I say, we'll go through those for you quickly before we leave you this evening. Uh, in the Premier League this week, the fixtures look like this. There is action tomorrow night where Nottingham Forest are at home to Arsenal. Fulham play Everton. Luton play Brighton. Crystal Palace play Sheffield United. And Aston Villa play Newcastle. Then on Wednesday evening, Manchester City host Burnley. Spurs host Brentford. And Liverpool host Chelsea. While on Thursday, West Ham play Bournemouth. And Manchester United travel to Wolverhampton Wanderers before they do it all again over the weekend. The big clash on the weekend, arguably the half-past six clash on Sunday evening, where Arsenal will entertain Liverpool. All that and more as we make it through the week. We will be chatting tomorrow evening to one of the most inspirational South African sports stars you could ever wish to hear from. Oscar Chulupski, our guest tomorrow evening on From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. We'll also be talking to Sean Faulkner this week. We'll be talking to South Africa's first lady umpire, who umpired recently in the Betway T20 competition. And then, of course, before you know it, it's Friday, and we'll be previewing the weekend. That's it from the Boardroom to the Locker Room team. As always, be nice to each other. Until next time, bye for now.